everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I uh, have some creators here to tell us about a brand new, exciting comic book publishing company. Uh, Gungnir is the name, if you're not familiar with that term. Odin Staff, Odin Spear. Uh, and I got to tell you, I've been to the website. There's a link in the show notes. You can go and check it out as well. These stories look amazing. I cannot wait to check them out. So uh, we'll go around the horn real quick. Matt Medney is on the show for the first time. We also have Steve Orlando, friend of the show, returning. And then uh, Jim Kruger, who hasn't been into the show uh, before, but we've talked about it many times having him come on. So I'm glad we're finally uh, making it. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad it's happening. Yeah, 100 percent. So and a shout out to Matt and uh, Jim. They're coming to us from Emerald City Comic Con. It's a working weekend for them. Uh, So we're glad uh, taking the time. So, hey, Steve. Yeah. Who wants to kick it off with uh, telling us or or telling our listeners in in your own words what uh, Gungnir is? Um, I guess, I guess it's gotta be you, Matt. It, we got to start at the beginning. That's where we start. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, you know, I was, uh, running heavy metal magazine for three years and then left at uh, the beginning of, uh, last year and was thinking about what I wanted to do next. And, uh, I had built this amazing relationship, uh, with Steve, uh, while over there and we we're kicking around some ideas and, I hit him with the idea of why don't we do a publisher that is about not just established names, legends, but really curating young talent, really finding great stories above all, really leaning into, uh, I have a music background, leaning into the punk rock nature of branding. And, and, you know, I love the color pink and I love Odin. And I was like, let's go Norse, let's go hot pink, let's go punk rock and let's tell some really wicked stories. And, uh, you know, to my delight, Steve was all in and, and I'll let him tell you his side of it, but, you know, that was sort of the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the lightning rod for me. And then, uh, we started building it out and, and looking to build out the team more. And then about, um, I guess it would have been in May of last year, I had the, uh, absolute privilege of being able to work with Jim on Steve Aoki's graphic novel slash prose called hero quest genesis and double helix and jim wrote it i creative directed it uh steve aoki was uh fingerprints all over the whole thing and we've been doing that for the last year and i don't know maybe six months ago i said to jim one night i was like i have a crazy idea do you want to do this publishing company uh with steve and i and uh again to my delight uh jim was all in uh from the beginning and um you know, we've been nurturing this, uh, this, this small little, uh, uh, vision of punk rock stories, you know, tales from the all father, you know, we're really leaning in with the branding and, uh, you know, the, the, the tagline, uh, uh, stories for the next generation of dreamers and thinkers is something that I really hold true to my, uh, to the company. And we, we, we want to be telling stories that are not just fun and adventurous. But, but leave you thinking and, and try to provoke conversations and try to uh, uh, allow people to do uh, uh, what I always find was the best part about literature, which is if somebody reads a book or enjoys a graphic novel or listens to a podcast or listens to an audiobook and they get a notion or an allegory or a motif that they want to have a conversation with their friends about on a Friday night with a beer, then we've done our job. And that that's really the uh, the heart of what we're sort of uh, going for here. Yeah, I always say that my favorite comics are the ones that make me think, you know, more value for your comic dollar when you're thinking about it later. Uh, so let's hear from you, Steve. I mean, I think you have a little bit of a unique perspective, you know, having come in, uh, you know, cut your teeth at DC uh, after being a, you know, a fan and, and starting very young there, but also mentored by that uh, older generation. So is this a way for you to give back in a, in a way? Well, yeah, yes. Now I am the older generation, <laughs> uh, you know. Oh, uh, no. Uh, well, it's funny that Matt said I was right. I was immediately on board. As I remembered, I raked him over the coals for 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 many months trying to trying to figure out how we could make this company, you know, different and better. So I, I'm I'm glad that his time scale is much more generous than mine in my memory or timeline. rather. <laughs> um you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, as you said, Jace, I have been, you know, I've worn every hat in the industry. Uh, I, I've done everything involved with making a comic book at some point in my career. I've illustrated a hundred page graphic novel for my thesis. I've lettered, I've colored, I've done pre-production. I've, I've done it all. It's not all what I like doing, but I've done it all. 
I was a story. I was a submissions editor when I was in high school uh, for a company. So um, I've certainly um, I, I've done the, I've done the rounds. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, this year is going to be 10 years of me being full time as a writer in comics, even though I've been around and learning of the craft since like 1997. Um and this is, you know, this, I feel comfortable saying that I, I, I've seen a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of shit in the past 10 years. Obviously many people have seen even more, but when Matt came to me, yeah, you, you, you'll use the phrase give back. You know, the question that I, you know, I asked myself that I asked Matt when I, when I was signing up is, you know, I, I've worked, you know, knock on wood, I've worked at almost every company that publishes comics now. Um, and I want, you know, I, I want to create a company that is like the blue sky opportunity for creatives, you know, the company that I wish was out there when I was, uh, trying to break in, you know, for almost 20 years. Um, and you know, uh, that, that, that tries to put all the work in, um, to, to fix not necessarily problems, but frustrations I've had at other companies so that we can all better serve the community. That doesn't just mean, you know, uh, uh, it means the readers, uh, it means the retailers, it means creators, uh, cause I've spent a lot of time listening to all of them over the past decade. Um, and so, yeah, it is, it, it, it's a chance. I see it as a chance to, uh, yes, do what I what I did for years with my own mentors and uh, with the executive editor position, mostly being story based, help folks tell the best version of their story. Um, and at the same time, it's also a chance to hopefully, you know, have some be in the room and help make this a company that is the exact kind of company I wish was out there 10, 15, 20, even 25 years ago. So for you, Jim, uh, I don't want to use the word old, but maybe we'll say elder statesman. Uh, of- well, I'm just going to put it this way. And this is what I was told long. Eventually, all great men look alike. <laughs> See, that's why Jim and I get along so well. Uh, was it a no brainer for you, Jim, to jump on board when you talked to Matt and started hearing about these ideas. I mean, again, you've been around, you know, Eisner, uh, winner and, and done some incredible things in, in your career. You've worked with Steve Aoki for uh, a long time. So was it a no brainer for you to ju- uh, jump on board uh, with Gungnir? Were you really excited? Are you really excited to be a part of it? It was, you know, I mean, back in the day when I was, when I was like working at Marvel um, as, as a crave director and it would come, it would be my job to pick, people that I would hire, I was always like, can they do the job? And that was only 50% of it. Like the other 50% was always like, is this person a person that we're all going to get along with? You know, is this someone like if, you know, that, that is going to be great for the crew. And so Matt, Matthew and I, we just hit it off right away. And we kind of had each other's backs and we're working in tandem. It was just so nice. And I always just want to work with nice people. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, what's the, that old cliche in comics? You need to be fast, nice, or really good. And if you have two of the three, you're, yeah. you can make it, you can make I, it work. I, I think Neil Gaiman just wrote that rule recently and claimed that it was his. I will say, Jim, if you want to work with nice people, uh, I don't, it's, Perhaps problematic. It's perhaps problematic that Matt hired me, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check in. in oh no! Oh no! I just got cut off again. Hold on. We'll see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> frozen. Well, while Jim works out his technical difficulties, let me throw it back over to you, Matt. Um, you know, when you go to the website, you look at it. It's, it's, it talks a lot about genre. You know, we're seeing a lot of uh, what looks like mythological stories, a lot of science fiction stories. Uh, you know, not superhero, what have you. And, you know, I think it is a bit of a misnomer. We're pulling away from that in the comic industry, and I'm glad. Uh, there, But there still is the outside perception that comic is superheroes, and it's so much more than that. Uh, specifically, can you tell us why you're kind of leaning into those other types of genre stories? What do you think it is about mythological stories, science fiction stories that lend themselves to the goals you want of, again, starting conversations about story and ideas later? Totally. You know, I, I'm... I'm a student of Asimov and Frank Herbert and um, even J.K. Rowling and and what she did with Harry Potter. I always say, you know, Harry Potter specifically, if you think about it through the lens that if you're an 11 year old kid and you read each book as you grow age by age, the life lessons that they uh, that she has written in the stories 
uh, a tribute to the age lessons that you need to learn as a growing teenager. And that's sort of like mastery of words to have a story start that's very childlike with Sorcerer Stone and go to very adult, which is Deathly Hollows, and have that scale for you as a teenager is is something that really um, resonated with me. Foundation really resonated with me. Obviously, Dune as a book really resonated with me. Uh, all the Lovecraftian stories. And, and you know, as much as I love um, all the superhero stuff, I mean, you know, I got... I got a Captain America tattoo right here. So there's there's no hiding my love of the Marvel and DC universes. Um, from a storytelling standpoint, uh, there's only so many ways to skin that cat. And I think uh, Marvel and DC are just uh, the best at telling those types of stories. And I always gravitate towards how do you tell the most interesting, the most different, the most wacky stories within genre, within science fiction uh, and horror and, and everything in and around that. And, and to me, that doesn't always land on superheroes because other people do them great. And uh, there's a lot more in the genre space than just uh, superheroes. And we want to uh, explore those ideas. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Uh, you know, like like you said, a different way of doing things. Uh, and you kind of mentioned that as well, Steve, when you're talking about, you know, a publisher doing things differently. So maybe you can allay some of those frustrations you had when you were trying to, to break in. So anything specifically that you all are doing differently, especially in terms of looking for talent um, that you think no one else is doing it that way? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of it, unfortunately, because we're just kicking off for the most part is going to be a, a wait and see. But I can tell you, you know, I can I can watch Matt's sphincter tighten as I start talking about this. Uh, <laughs> I, um, and and you're asking, why do I have a camera there? It's it's in the contract. I promise you it's it's very <laughs> it's all very technical. But um, no, look, I will say that one of the things we're doing from the outset, and I feel comfortable saying this without getting into specifics, is that we are from the gate having listening sessions, not just with, of course, we're interacting with the readers on social media, but with retailers, and not just with retailers to ask what the, how they're not being served, how they could be better served, but actually with uh, you know, folks in creative management to say, what are the what are the things you wish companies were presenting? You know, what, like, how can we better serve, of course, creative, uh, because through that comes better stories. So one of of the things that I would say out of the get is that foundationally, uh, we are, um, when I say doing things differently, I think we're having com uh, conversations that, to be quite frank, are kind of unprecedented uh, for a company to be having. And as far as the specifics of that, um, there will be news about that soon. Uh, but that one I have to put a pin in. Um, when it comes to creative, I think a lot of it is, I mean, like, you know, uh, once Jim is on, he'll talk about his editorial philosophy. But um you know, Matt has a, an amazing eye for 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 new talent. Um, and look, you'll see it when the books come out. You know, uh, the, everything looks uh, completely unique. Everything looks completely singular, and that's one of the reasons he's great at what he does. Um, my job, what I what I try to do is to give what I would have wanted, especially when I was starting out uh, from an editorial standpoint, especially from a creative editorial standpoint. You sometimes you feel like you're kind of dropped in the deep end, and they're kind of like even some basic things, you know, that you just kind of learn on the job because no one tells you. Um, and also, you know, when you're starting out, you do maybe want a little more guidance. You want a little more. Uh, sort of positioning and context uh, and counterpointing on a script. However, the key there is that like that all has to be in service of helping you tell the story you want to in the best possible fashion, not taking the story you want to tell as a creative and turning it into the way that I would do it, for mm -hmm. example. Um, so I try I, I try hopefully with the, the books that are kicking out first to give that to people because that sort of accelerates the process. You know, hypothetically, if you're working at Gungnir, instead of, you know, one to three years of learning stuff on the job from editors who are, you know, trying their best, by the way, like, like they're the hardest working people in the business. Um, but, you know, they may have to put out 20, 30 books a month. So right. they're, it's just a time economy thing. At Gungnir, you get, you get care from Jim, you get care from me, you get care from Matt, all in the service of making your story the best possible thing it is. And hopefully you cut down that 
you know, I don't believe in the phrase paying dues. Cause I mean, I was paying those motherfuckers for 20 years, yeah. um, but I do think there there's, there, there's a learning period. There's where you get into your groove, you know, all the, the ropes, you learn the ropes. And I think that is still important. Hopefully with us, that's like uh that's an accelerated process. Cause we're here to help you right along the way. That's what I'm here for. Um, you know, I, everything that could happen in comics has happened to me in the past 25 years. So the hope is that, yes, you know, we were combining, um, a nurturing, um, but critical because you need both editorial atmosphere with Matt's amazing eye for talent so that when we're bringing in people that maybe have never worked in comics before, uh, they can hit the ground running uh, and, and they can be telling, you know, not be, you know, this is 2024. We can't have beginner stories. OK, that was a fine first, you know, first shot. It's got to be it's got to be gold out of the gate. And that's what we're here to help people do. Yeah, I mean, that sounds fantastic because, yeah, it is it is a crowded landscape and there's any number of gamut right like you you're working on batman you got all the eyes on you right all the way over to doing your own thing at image where they're going to print the book for you but you don't really get much other support so yeah it sounds like you guys have a have a really great model so i'm sure your listeners are like well this sounds great but what about the actual books what's actually coming out uh so let's let me go through some of the titles that uh, are on the the um the website and you guys can kind of talk a little bit about uh what each of them is so Kicking it off with uh, The Stars Within, which is a prose book. Uh, what can you tell our listeners about The Stars Within? Yeah, um, it's written by a dear friend of mine, uh, Stefan Petrusha. Um, and uh, so Stefan actually um, edited my first ever novel called uh, Beyond Kuiper, The Galactic Star Alliance. And uh, I'd met uh, Stefan through some mutual friends and, uh, you know, sort of mentored me and, and gave me perspective on uh, writing that has uh, been invaluable. So as we were building this company, I wanted to go to him and be like, do you have anything that you're looking to publish and can we have a conversation about it? And uh, again, Stefan was all about it. And uh, we actually have an unannounced graphic novel that he and I penned together that will be coming out uh, after 2025, maybe 2026 that we'll talk about later. Um, but The Stars Within is like a classic sci-fi space opera, you know, it has, you know, uh, I like to say it has threads of Ender's Game because there's a lot of uh, uh, kids being the hero sort of threads uh, throughout it. But the um, the idea is that, you know, without giving away too much of the story, I would say, you know, it's, it's classic sci-fi with a message, heart, and uh, it sort of pulls you in, like, within the first page. When I, I honestly read page one and called Stefan was like, I'm in. Like, let's do it. And then I obviously finished reading it. But um, I, I think the way that he brings you into the world paints such a vivid picture of the story and the uh, cadence and and the atmosphere that it's um, uh, uh, it's just a wonder. It, it's uh, I'm really excited about that that prose and and also just a quick note. I think Jim is uh, finding his way through uh, through the Comic Con. Heard uh, going to come uh, sit next to me because his uh, his uh, his device has uh, failed him. Actually, I see him. I see him right there. He'll be here in two seconds. <laughs> I will not be joining you. Uh, <laughs> well, while we're waiting for Jim, why don't, uh, Steve, why don't you tell us about mutant cats? You know, the thing is, I, I just got to be completely honest with you. I, I have to toss back to Matt because mutant cats predates me. So, so I apologize, but I can sit here bullshitting you, but you need to hear it from the folks that know it best. That, because that book was, <laughs> um, we, 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 we kicked that, we, we kicked that book right into production. As I walked in the door, we kind of like passed by each other. I grabbed its ass, but that's like, that's about it. So I do need to pass to these gentlemen, uh, cause I'm working on stuff for the future. All right. <laughs> tell us yeah. about, uh, mutant cats. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll quickly uh, uh, run through it. You know, the um, the thing that's really cool about Mutant Cats is that, um, you know, it, it originated from a collection of digital collectibles. And, you know, obviously, I think, you know, to be bold and put it out there, the comic community, including myself, uh, has very specific views of NFTs and what they have and have not done uh, to this community. But what this specific project uh, did and sort of uh, came to, to me with was, uh, we don't want to be that. We want to take this community that we built and we want to take it far beyond that digital realm. And we want to take these characters that we have 10,000 members of and we want to create a brand and we want to create a story and we, and we want to take something that's physical, something that people can hold and, and, and evolve this into a brand. And that to me, uh, you know, was really cool because I think anytime 
that people, you know, go to reach across the aisle within an industry where there is, um, I wouldn't call it controversy, but where there's conflicting viewpoints. Mm-hmm. There's always a place that you can find um, 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 great success, both emotionally and hopefully uh, with the story in the book. And uh, Mutant Cats is a hilarious tale of um, a, a world of mutant cats that are just like humans, but they're cats. And it's the office meets, you know, slumbering sci-fi um, uh, tropes that are called out. And uh, for me, the, the best part of it is this character called the Mukanga that you'll meet halfway through the book. That is a uh, an amalgamation of uh, Godzilla, King Kong, and Mufasa. And it's the Mukanga. And it is uh, basically, you know, to, to give a little bit more of the premise, a, uh, a cluster, uh, a yarn cluster, is the unlimited energy source in this universe. And they are trying to start it. Not too dissimilar from an arc reactor. Uh, but our bumbling band of fools uh, uh, keep uh, messing it up every time. So every time they try to fix it, it just continually gets worse and worse and worse until, you know, you know, and this is a spoiler. So if you don't want to hear it, it is, but they, uh, they rip a, a hole in time and emerges the Mukanga. And I will not uh, give any more than that, but it is just fun. You know, it, it, we really sort of wanted to take the essence of what this community sort of told us. So uh, I wrote it with, my buddy Morgan Rosenblum, who uh, has a game right now on Kickstarter called Winds of Numacera, uh, which we don't have anything to do with, but we just think is rock, rock and cool. Uh, so if anybody wants to check it out, you guys should. And uh, we listened to this community and we did, I don't know, maybe two dozen Zooms with, uh, you know, 100, 200 people on it, just telling us why they got a part of this community and what it meant to them past the digital collectible. And, uh, and we tried to uh, emulate that in this story while also giving these uh, motifs of, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe when you make a mistake, you shouldn't keep going. <laughs> and yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, that one's coming out May 7th, uh, this year, everybody that's yeah. release date. And I forgot to mention starts within release date, uh, just in time for Christmas, uh, December 10th, 2024. Uh, but now that we have, uh, Jim back with us, Jim, tell us about hero quest, uh, the project you do with Steve Aoki. Uh, we have a graphic novel. The release date on that is is actually uh, coming up real soon here, April 9th. Uh, so what can you tell us about Hero Quest for those not familiar? Uh, not not hearing you, Jim. Oh, um, hmm. Uh, maybe push the your piece in a little bit more. What about now? Yep, gotcha. Nope, now we're not hearing you again. I have an idea. I'm going to just do this. Um, okay. uh, Hero Quest is. Can you hear it now? Yeah. Cool. Oh, good. Hero Quest is a story that uh, Steve came up with um, as part of, like, in tandem with his, with the game that he's creating, um, the card game, collectible card game that he's creating, and with all the music he's been creating for his last maybe three or four albums. Uh, it's a story of a kid who finds out that Earth is doomed. But if he allows himself to be mutated, genetically altered, given powers, and will travel, he will have to travel 400 years into the future to get these rings of power from 10 different worlds and 10 different people groups. So he'll be able to travel back and save Earth. And if that sounds like a lot to swallow, it is. <laughs> that is not the whole story. It's only the tip of the story. And it really is, you know, without making making the pun, it's it's the hero's journey. But um, I could talk Star Wars all day long and and I be get angry and cheer and do all that sort of thing. But one of the great things we see from Luke is when you set out to be a hero, you find yourself on a path that can sometimes take you into villainy. And that's part of, without giving anything away, that's part of what he does. Like, it's like there's this desire that he has to be a hero, to save Earth, to save his family, to do everything he can. And it kind of sets him up. And it goes great. Like, I'm I'm so excited. There's there's this group of publishers I work with in New Zealand, and I was able to bring in one of them to do kind of the edits on it. And they're like, Jim, this feels completely different. 
And yet it seems like every story I've ever loved and 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 cared for and reread. So it's really cool. And and then in the midst of the book also, I think is it is the phrase now light novels where it's like a third graphic novel and um two thirds prose. Um there's also a graphic novel section to this book that tells hero's journey from from a kid to getting this power before he goes on the journey and it's got pinups and bios and it's like this great introduction not only the the game but stevie Oki's music i made like every chapter part of the challenge which each chapter was to take some of the lyrics of steve's songs and work them in so I don't know. We'll have to figure out if there's a prize for someone who can find <laughs> all of Steve Aoki's lyrics in each of the chapters throughout. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. What I love about Steve's work and his love of comics, how it always uh, it, it feeds off his music. Like they 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 really kind of tie into you know and feed each other. It's like the symbiotic relationship. It's so great because I like having background music on when I read my books a lot of times, and obviously. You know, Steve's inspired by music. He's inspired by the storytelling. So, yeah, great uh, project. Again, everybody, link in the show notes to go and check it out. Um, we also have a couple other here uh, that I want to mention. We have a second printing of the stable graphic novel that you did with uh, with Morgan Rosenblum. Uh, Matt, what, you, what can you tell us about that? Because for me, that one, it just it speaks to what I love about sci-fi. Some of the, kind of the classic ideas into the world type stuff. Um, have you read it yet? I haven't. I haven't, but I will. Yeah, I will. The, uh, that that one, I think, has the um, the best sort of at the end motif. Oh, shit moment of yeah. like what 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 great sci fi is trying to uh, accomplish. And, uh, you know, the the the, the, the tagline is three arcs, two worlds, one chance at survival. The the the, the, the quick pitch is Earth's son is dying and the. Um, and, and humanity has basically lost hope. And then an alien civilization scanned our planet and knew we needed help. So they sent us the designs of space arcs. We built three interstellar capable with pre-programmed coordinates to their homeworld, a place we were told could be our refugee. And then what happens when you can only fit 300,000 people in space arcs and earth is uh, doomed. How do you choose those people? How do the people who are chosen leave their families? And how do you reconcile how Earth is going to be left once those arcs leave? And we follow um, a, a group of people on the arcs, and we follow a group of people left behind on Earth, and those stories intertwine. And uh, I, I think it's a hell of a ride. It, it's really, um, really fun. It was an idea that uh, Morgan and I you know, had five years ago uh, that we were just like brainstorming one day. We released the first uh, printing with heavy metal. And then uh, when I left heavy metal, I, I brought the book with me. And, and uh, you know, there, there's a handful of uh, those in the first uh, uh, batch of books that are uh, that we just have the rights to. And we wanted to uh, to put out as part of our catalog and and, um, you know, sort of call it a phase one. And then the, the next books that are coming uh, uh, later, I think, uh, are, are going to be even cooler uh, to sort of tell books that I have not been with for so long. Um, but, you know, one story that I, I'd love Steve to sort of comment on since he's been there since the beginning with me is uh, Chupacabra. Uh, you know, that that story is um, is really uh, something that that is um, near and dear to me. Uh, you know, I'm of Latin American descent. I'm, I'm a Brazilian dual citizen and uh, Exile Studios um, uh, was uh, uh, kind enough to give us this uh, forum to create a story that we were hope that we're hopefully going to develop into something more. And um, you know that was one of the first projects that Steve and I worked with outside, if not the first project outside of heavy metal. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'll stop blabbering because I can I, I, I just get into uh, tangents all the time. Yeah. So uh, Stable comes out July sixteenth. Everybody for another printing. Uh, so look for that. Uh, but the Chupacabra book that uh, Matt's just talking about, Steve's going to tell us about right now. Uh, it's June 18th. So what can you tell us about Chupacabra, Steve? For sure. June 18th, uh, Blood and Ink, I think is our subtitle, if I remember correctly. Um, very, very excited for this book to come out. Gorgeous uh, presentation and exciting story. Like if, if folks like, you know, Matt likes to say this, the, the tone of this book is kind of like Wednesday. I actually think it's kind of like if folks remember the first Ryan Johnson movie, Brick, 
that is oh, both yeah. simultaneously like a, a classic high school tale, but one with uh, aspiration, greater genre aspirations. <laughs> um, here we have something similar that is really deeply tied well, both to like the sort of truth hunting of journalism, uh, but also just some some uh, a wonderful extrapolation of like of, of Mayan mythology, of, of of modern cryptids, of of modern folklore, and things like that. Set um, also in just like the classic, relatively quiet town. It's set it's set outside of uh, in a San, a San Diego suburb. Um, and as someone whose ex girlfriend is from Irvine, California, at that time the uh, the safest and arguably most boring uh, city uh, in the country. You know, I think there's a little bit of that teenage malaise. You're 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 desperate for wonder. You're desperate for something different, something out of this world. Well, Alessandra Daisy Hernandez has that. You know, her father has passed away under mysterious circumstances uh, in a, in a bus accident many years ago. This is what drives her to pick up the school newspaper from uh, from the gutter, basically, and and turn it into this vehicle for her to uh, explore her own family history uh, and, and how it connects to a rash of disappearances in her town, East Valley Ridge. And, you know, as as will happen with with teenage capers, the the, the rabbit hole goes very, very deep. Uh, in fact, it goes many thousand or pardon me, many hundred years into the past. Uh, and I think that it's just such a beautiful synthesis of that innocence you have when you're when you're in middle mid adolescence where anything is possible. Here in comics, uh, Alessandra gets to discover this intense sort of secret society, her own sort of mysterious past, her own connections to that society, and that's the magic of comics that we're doing right here. Because you know we think anything's possible when we're a teenager. In in this story, stories like it, the stories that we that we love to bring us into this genre, anything really is possible. So in Al's world. There really is a secret history. There really is something to uncover. There really is a truth behind the madness, right? Uh, and and she's there to explore it uh, along with everyone who picks up the book. Yeah, and one of the challenges, uh, you know, and it, it it strikes me as you're talking about this and it having Latin themes and and what have you, and I feel like that's a, a community that's kind of underserved when it comes to, to stories and, and representation. Uh, so a couple a couple things here. We mentioned that it, it's kind of a crowded marketplace in in the comic industry right now. Um, so what's your distribution model? How are you getting the word out, you know, other than talking to guys like me? Um, and how important is it for you to to have a breadth of uh, representation in, in your stories? Because it's the one thing to reach people, but then you got to engage them, right? You got to make sure that they, they feel seen when they read the stories. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll get a start, but I'd love to hear from both of you guys as well. Uh, so uh, we're, uh, you know, going to have a Shopify online at Gunner Books. Uh, uh, Diamond Books is uh, bringing us uh, into all the stores, uh, both uh, comic shops and into uh, Barnes and Noble's, Amazon, etc. Um, we are exploring doing uh, some Kickstarters, not as a uh, source to fund the books, but as a way to get uh, early fan support. Uh, uh, books will be already done and ready to ship. And uh, I-, I see the platform as a great place to sort of be uh, a-, a early source exploration platform rather than a, a-, a crowdsource. Obviously, you'll make money from it, but we're not using it to fund the project. We're using it as a uh, first out distribution model. Um in terms of um, uh, diverse voices, you know, it's really important to uh, bring in voices of um, of all walks of life. You know, we have some amazing female artists uh, that are um, drawing a lot of our books. Uh, we have a book called Aeon with Joe Harris uh, uh, of X-Files and, uh, and Marvel, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Lorenza Pomani. Uh, I'm definitely butchering her last name. I'm so sorry, Lorenza. Um, uh, she drew Aeon. Uh inks uh, uh inks and colors the whole thing uh and it's just the most beautiful book i've ever seen uh and she's incredible um but having those voices having uh localized uh talent uh, from around the world is super important all of our books are going to be hardcover um we're not doing um any uh, uh single issues uh we're doing all graphic novels prose novels or art books um we're going to be uh limiting print runs between a thousand and five thousand and then reprinting uh with new covers uh we want to keep the collectability we want to keep the art piece of these books uh high uh you know we have a motto that um 
If you're going to print a book and burn down a tree, you should make it beautiful to respect the tree. Um, and uh, all of the uh, um, essence around it is to make beautiful books that can be displayed on your bookshelf that are not just for reading, but are also to create an emotional um, connection. And that uh, the last bit I'll say before I'll hand it off is our marketing outside of uh, talking to guys like you is uh, really focused on the idea that um, I believe um, buying a book is no different uh, than going to a music concert, like an Aoki concert, the emotional response that you'll get from going to the show and the memory of that show is the same emotional response you'll have from reading the book and the memory of the book and the uh, and and looking at the book as the art piece or the photo that you took when you were at the show. So we're uh, marketing uh, with a, a, an amazing marketing team um, led by my buddy Paul Reed. Uh, uh, from music marketing. Uh, we're bringing a bunch of guys that have never marketed in books before and that have marketed uh, selling concert tickets and the emotional experiences. And I have this uh, feeling and this hypothesis that um, let's try to do something that we've never thought of in books before. Let's try selling these books from the point of view of that they're emotional experiences that you can collect rather than books to read. And the books to read, obviously, we're selling books. You know you're going to read them, but let's sell the emotional connection first. <laughs> yeah, very important. Uh, Jim, anything to add? Uh, only only that when when I first saw all the early all the early imagery and all the early thoughts behind this as a publishing company, I started thinking about um, these reprints. I read of the early Alan Moore work, Swamp Thing, where he talked about, this is the swamp, things live here, things die here. And I feel like, like what makes this different is you're entering into not just one mythology, but lots of them, but they're all tied to this brand or this idea of, of saying no to the way things have been done before. And I really love that. I've always wanted to break every every possible rule there is. And I've lived that way, which is why, you know, I have the face I do. <laughs> it's why I lack the hair I do compared to the other guys here. Um, but, you know, it worked for Lex Luthor. <laughs> and that's the other thing because i think even when i went to the the website for the first time to, to check it out when i uh when i first heard about it there's this sense of building a community so let me ask you steve is that what you're trying to do here you're trying it's not just about reaching you know one reader one time it's about building a community for people to come in and experience the the books and experience the stories but then come back for more right yeah, I mean, I think that's the hope. You want people, you want the stories to stand on their own, but you also, you know, down the road, hopefully a year from now, two years from now, people know when they see the Gungnir logo, it means a certain thing. It means a certain type of book. Um, and, you know, that's not in of itself unheard of, right? Like like there are companies, uh, you know, for a long time, the and, and in many cases still in the direct market, the image I held that sort of prestige, right? So, uh, you know, and it still does. Like, I'm, I'm not here to nag those guys. I love Image. Uh, but we're doing something different, you know. Um, so, and the thing the, the thing is, is we we have to reach new readers. We have to build these communities because the, it's not that the folks who are going in the Wednesday Warriors as we used to, as they, as they were there on the pie chart in the, in the sales meetings, right? Like, like they're, they're extremely valuable. Uh, it doesn't need to be an either or like reaching, reaching readers is a yes. And, uh, and I think a lot of companies don't necessarily look at it that way. Um, I think we have to do, we have to reach out. We have to put these books in the hands of people who maybe haven't even ever read a graphic novel before or a comic before because the audience is out there. You know, uh, but a lot of folks who might be casual readers, I sound like a, you know, much like the mythical casual wrestling fan, like, <laughs> uh, you know, like they, they maybe don't even know how to access those things. I, you know, I'm the only person in my field that has ever, for example, gone to my college. And when I, I just had my 15 year reunion and folks, you know, I mean, I went to a liberal arts school. They love reading. They love weird shit. Half of my professors like think patchouli is soap, you know. But at the same time, they don't necessarily know where to find these things They, you know, I've been it's been, uh, well, 15 years since I graduated. And they're like, where do we find other than, of course, putting your name on Amazon. So these are people that want to be served. They want to take in the genres that they might read for pleasure or view for pleasure. But, you know, we haven't done the work as publishers of reaching out to them. You need only look at things 
you know, I, I, two weeks ago, I was at one of my fiance's performances and uh, with a friend from college and he was saying, oh, it feels like versus Japan, like American comics is kind of dying, right? Like not everybody, uh, you know, wants to read about superheroes. Uh, you know, maybe there's only 30 to 40,000 unique comic readers in the country, but they're really saying capes readers, right? If you look at things like uh, Gozi's amazing series, Check Please, which can just pull like crowdfunder after crowdfunder of uh, to be to like a sports romance. It's a queer hockey romance. Uh, I listen, Jim, you can probably confirm if you and I went and, and pitch publishers on a sports romance right now, 99% of them would say that that in, both of those genres are dead in American comics, but they're not, you know, the, the audiences are there. Uh, so the work we have to do is 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 to make ourselves known um, and and show them that there is a community for people who want these types of stories. And the last thing I'll say is that, again, what have I seen in the past 10 years? Make ourselves known is very important. I've been part of, perhaps surprising no one, uh, I've been part of a fair amount of like, quote unquote, diverse uh, product launches. Um, and many places, I mean, the books are great, you know, I, I'm not even talking about my my own. Other people can say that or not, but the books are often great. However, the folks putting them out seem to think that it's Field of Dreams. You know, if you if you build it, they will come. Uh, but it's not Field of Dreams. Those people don't even know where the fucking baseball, it, where it's played. Yeah. Right. So, um we have to, that's what I mean about making ourselves known. You got an audience that's huge over here that wants these things. You have a publisher over here that is making these things, but no, they don't know how to talk to each other because for the past, at least since 1992, they've only been talking to this very small group, which is a vital group, by the way, but many languages are spoken when it comes to readership. So that's what's really exciting to me. You know, when Matt talks about hiring people from outside of comics that think differently about marketing, that think differently about sales, when I hear about different sales mediums and venues. Uh, to me, those are all just new ways to reach an audience that we all know is out there. Um, but it's, you know, we have yet to find the Rosetta Stone. So, you know, have we found it? We're searching for it. That's all we can do. But that's always exciting to me as a creator. And now it's exciting to me as an editor. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking, you're, you know, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, my my motto, as you guys know, uh, Steve for sure knows is, you know, there's a comic out there for everybody. I take it as a personal challenge. People tell me, I don't like comics, but well, you don't like stories. You don't go to the movies and watch TV. All you need to make a comic reader is to find the right story, match it up with the right person. And then it's like a gateway drug, right? Like it opens up the doors for them. So that's the other part of this, meeting them where they're at, whether that be video games or music or, uh, you know, TV, film, that sort of thing. Um, so I know you guys, you know, like any new publisher, you want those revenue streams and you want those audiences. And you want to be able to connect with those readers. But the focus is on story. So, you know, are those avenues open for you? And can you reassure our listeners that that doesn't mean you're going to go Hollywood, so to speak, uh, and you're going to stop putting out great stories, right? Uh, you know, from my point of view, uh, Hollywood is lacking great stories right now. Um, the, 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 the number one movie of the year, Dune comes from a great story. Mm -hmm. uh, I just read a report yesterday that says that it's going to shatter uh, the last two years of box office opening, some somewhere upwards of 170 million, uh, and that just proves the point that it's about great stories. You know, uh, when, when we look at pitches and, and edit stories, we're, we're thinking about them as franchises. Um, you know, and, and I'm a big believer that all great stories should start off as books, uh, whether it's a graphic novel or a prose novel. There's something magic about uh, reading something and using your imagination to fill in the holes. And then seeing other artists' interpretation of that on the screen. Um, so for, from our point of view, I don't think we would ever tell anything but great stories. And we hope that um, people meet us at great stories and then take those great stories and iterate them into games, into tabletops, into films and TV shows and toys and, and everything in between. But I feel like Gungner, is, as an idea, is already a story that's that's inviting people in. You know, there's like a there's this built in mythology to this that that doesn't exist with any other publisher. The Bifrost must be fed. Yeah, well, it's like I said, we'll go, go to the website for the first time. It already feels like you're you're exploring a community. Hey, do I want to be a, a part of this? So best of luck, gentlemen. Uh, I'm sure we'll be reviewing the books as as they come out. Listeners will let you know when they're coming out. Uh, and I'm, hopefully we'll get some of the creators on to talk specifics when some of the books do come out. Um, so as we're winding down here, uh, again, I want to thank you for your time. We'll go around the horn one last time. Anything else that you uh, want a chance to mention? We'll start with you, Jim, 
Uh, anything to uh, let our listeners know? Do it. So I'm I'm editing one of Matthew's books right now. A prose novel. A prose novel. Do you want to give the title? It's called uh, Existence Equation, uh, The Price of the Stars. And and when I pitched it to Jim, uh, I was uh, unbelievably honored that he would uh, edit it, uh, to be quite on. Oh, and, and it's it's so exciting. It's about the choices that a 17, a 17 year old has to make for the rest of his life, including will he live a normal human life or will he choose a form of immortality, but an android form. And it's all about the choices going into it. One of the things I love about about the existence equation and the Steve Aoki hero quest, the Chupacabra project is like all these stories have this sense of imaginative speculation to them where you're not just entering a, a world that a creator created. You're entering, um, you're entering the question and, exactly. and those questions then relate back to not only the reader, but the creator in the first place. And it's within that, that, that I think these worlds can really be investigated. So I'm so excited to be editing. Yeah, I mean, Matthew's you read those type book. of stories and you you like can't help it. What would I do, right? And then like you were saying earlier, Matt, then you're at the bar on Friday night going, okay, listen to this, guys. What would you do? <laughs> right? I mean, that's just so, so famous. Yeah, and this, this is, this is like, I feel like these stories are an invitation into that. It's, it's even an invitation. They're even an invitation into the dialogue and, you know, I miss going into a comic shop and seeing a cover that I've never seen before. I miss that kind of experience. And it feels like there's something to discover with what we're trying to put out that that is really exciting. What about you, Steve? Any last thoughts for our listeners? I think, you know, well, yeah, I, I think that this is it's exciting it just to, for me as an editor and for for readers to know that these books are coming from a place that truly is trying to be a yes company. Right. Like this, the, this is a place that really wants to we are trying to listen. We are we are putting more power in the hands uh, of folks that, that rarely have it. Why do readers care about that? Because the books are truly singular. Uh, and that's what happens, you know, uh, when you when you create an ecosystem for people uh, instead of a factory production line. So I think that every every Gungnir book is different. Every Gungnir book still feels like Gungnir, um, but it, it, each one is truly unique. Uh, and we are coming out of the gate, as Matt has hinted at, uh, I think with some of the the best uh, and 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 most dynamic and exciting art on the market. We've talked about uh, we've talked about Blood and Ink. We've talked about Aeon. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about another one, uh, Black Lullaby, which, which uh, I, I will only tease like is is truly like for folks that have been reading like Fabulous Killjoys uh, that Gerard Way has been working on. Like this is if you if you meshed up that sort of like super heroic pop art uh, style that we see in things like that in Umbrella Academy. But if you took that and added sort of uh, almost like a graffiti style, almost like a like a classic vinyl record cover style, every panel, every page of this book looks like the coolest, like hidden gem in a record shop you've ever found. Uh, and and it, it's just one of many. So we're not just coming out of the out of the gate with great stories. We're coming out of the gate with great art. And I would bring it around to say, um, yeah, Jim said a word that I love. He said, he said, speculation, speculate. Uh, I'm a pretentious asshole. Uh, but, and one of the ways that I am is that I like to say that what I really enjoy is speculative fiction. Uh, and it's not a thing that we say that much anymore. We, it, it's, it's soft sci-fi, soft sci-fi, it's hard sci-fi, you know, it's science fantasy, but I really think that, um, the market is there and the hunger is there for what I would call speculative fiction, you know, things that play off very real anxieties uh, and, and stresses and passions of the day. So that's what I would say we're doing. And I think that's exciting because I would argue we're doing it better than anyone else in the market. And it's also exactly what we need right now uh, in the hearts of our readership. A hundred percent. And I think, especially over the last, I'd say 15 to 20 years, uh, the future has become less certain, right? Doesn't it, things feel less certain, more up in the air than they ever had maybe since the days of the Cold War? Are we gonna, are things going to end in a nuclear holocaust? We're well, you know, Jace, as someone who grew up watching Thundar the Barbarian, I'm just really happy the fucking moon didn't split in half in 1994. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> 100%. But that's what I mean. It's this idea that, God, the future has never been uh, less certain. So you're you're right. Having speculative fiction, uh, I think, speaks to uh, kind of the angst of uh, society right now. But 
we could go on uh, about that for hours, but I'll throw it over to Matt to uh, to bring us home. Any last thoughts for the readers, Matt? Uh, I, I'm just thankful that these two are coming along for the ride. Uh, you know, some of the best, brightest, most uh, incredibly beautiful minds in uh, comics and just writing in general and helping to create this guiding light uh, for what we're trying to create as community. Uh, as Steve and Jim said, we're, we're, we're trying to tell stories that uh, haven't been told before and trying to share art that hasn't been seen before and uh, trying to create a community where uh, people are uh, helping each other as creators, helping each other as community members and uh, somewhere that uh, people are excited for other people's success more than they are uh, jealous. And I think that's something that is um, missing in a lot of uh what's happening in the world today and if we can do our small little part to create a community uh filled with wonder and joy then uh we're having a good time yeah great way to have a good time so uh again gentlemen best of luck with the project i'm sure we'll be talking again and uh we'll be giving it plenty of coverage here on the comic source uh to you listeners again link in the show notes go check it out just you know spend a minute go to the website check it out i'm sure you're going to find a story that gets you excited you can pre-order Check the date when it's coming out. Talk to your comic book shop about it so you can get your hands on it when it's uh, when it's released. So we want to thank you listeners as always for uh, supporting us and for listening. And we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.